And if I have to cough, what do I do? Do I cover my mic? Um, that's the best thing I could think of is to kind of just cover it. It's probably still going to get it. So anyway, you can bit. anyway you can try and modify a little, like I was doing. Like I think one of the ones that worked well in the second week was I like I was like, <clears throat> or whatever. Like I didn't like you know <clears throat> like let it out, but I kind of just re rearranged because I get it. I, I, I'm, well, I'm not coughing a lot, but I have a little a tiny bit of a cough, and I'm not sure how much just, I can you know, Just don't you know just don't do it. <laughs> that's the, that's the best. It's the best one I have for you. It's just don't do it. Yeah, this should be a cheap touchdown for Nick Chubb. Well, you know, it's funny. I had Damian Williams going into the game today, <laughs> and I got a notification that he was out, and I was like, oh, shit. So I put him, put in Ingram for him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you're really hurting there. <clears throat> yeah, had, what, three touchdowns? Yeah, he had like three, 33 points or something. I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should have played you in the <clears throat> first place. Then maybe we can round it back up, and when I bring the 180 back we end up with the cubs maybe at that point um <laughs> if you want to end on a downer you want to end on <laughs> 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 do you have anything particularly interesting that's sticking out about the cubs well anything anything that happened in the world oh well i mean i mentioned the the ukraine thing that's kind of top of mind right now yeah um Obviously, there's a zillion stories out there, but I think I think the way this thing is going to go, I mean, it's going to fill an hour easy. Yeah, no, yeah, there's no way that it won't be. So I thought about me and Bart's, and suddenly I was, we were 35 minutes in after our predictions. <laughs> it was some light talk in the beginning, some football, and then suddenly it was Bears, and then predictions, and then it was suddenly 30 minutes in. Oh, they had Nick Chubb go in for a touchdown, but then they threw a penalty flag, I guess, for for uh, probably, uh, you know, uh, illegal procedure or whatever. I'm not sure how you can mess that up from the one. They got a penalty. Well, I mean, I just don't know how. So now they're on the six. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you get the ball on the one-yard line, you're right. I mean, the, the, the only thing that can happen is you can't take a legal procedure penalty or false start. Come on, you bozos. What was funny is Miami actually has a pretty sick end zone. Not that they're ever going to see it. But <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's pretty cool looking anyway. They're going to go for it? I guess they are. Well, it's third down. Oh, it's third and goal. Hey! It's wide open. You better not screw it up. So who Get the heck is that? Can't see the name. Turn around. <laughs> that was my man. Welcome to week two of the Surviving the Ground podcast. Buffalo is 3-0. and Emmanuel Sanders says the Broncos are in a world of suck after starting out 0-3. And beware the wrath of Daniel Jones. <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm um, your host Jay Dante. Uh, and I have a, a guest in here today. Uh, my father, the, uh, the original Jay Adante, uh, Joe Adante. Hi, Jay. Hey. Thrilled to be here. Yep. Glad to hear it. So we've got some crazy storylines, including the Minshew finally getting uh, <laughs> getting the W's. So um, that's particularly big news. I know he's been pretty pretty hot, and with the look he has, I guess you got to eventually you got to win something. Yeah, you know, uh, most of the uh, talk about him so far in the press and. And TV and so forth has been about his facial hair, so uh, glad to see that we're going to focus on some football for a change. <laughs> Either that or his uh, his his lovely outfit choices going into uh, going into the games. Um, we had uh, 
course, Daniel Jones coming in and rallying the Giants to victory. You had Kyle Allen from the Panthers putting up four touchdowns in, in relief, um, beating the Cardinals out. So that's another uh, another loss for uh, Murray and the Murray and the Cards. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of shows the fascination with uh, football games and, and sports in general. But uh, here you've got Kyler Murray, the uh, quarterback, with a huge rep, uh, enormous talent, uh, tremendous college pedigree, uh, number one overall pick. And you think he's going to really explode. And then here's this other kind of unheralded guy for Carolina and, and just goes nuts throwing a football and, and so forth. So he looked very uh, assured of himself and confident. Uh, so it's just totally unpredictable. And you see in these other games too, uh, you mentioned the Giants uh, quarterback Jones, for example, stepped right in, first NFL start, cool as a cucumber. Uh, you know, certainly don't count on those fantasy points every week. Uh, I think he wound up with over 34 fantasy points with a half-point PPR league. But uh, you know, a couple. <laughs> you're, of you're telling me he's not going to do that every single uh, week? Probably not. I, a couple of those touchdowns probably would have been Saquon Barkley's if he had been in the game. But uh, certainly uh, an outstanding performance from Jones. Uh, and once again, I mean, you know, sometimes you bring these rookie quarterbacks in, at least for the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they really set the house on fire. And other times they come in and um, they get nothing done. You know, ask uh, the quarterback for the Jets that Falk uh, today. Uh, as if if it was, as if it wasn't bad enough getting uh, getting torched by the Browns last week. Yeah, in fact, I'll tell you something. I was watching the games earlier today, the scores, and I saw, of course, Patriots were up thirty to nothing at one point or something like that, and then all of a sudden it was thirty to seven. I thought, what the hell happened? And that was thirty to fourteen. I'm like, it's impossible. They couldn't possibly have gotten a touchdown. I had that little faith yeah. in the Jets quarterback and their offense, and then I find out that both of them were on turnovers. You know that <laughs> they returned a, 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 a Brady's backup through an interception that was returned for a touchdown. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they're thrown. It was thirty to seven at the time. I'm not even sure who his backup is anymore, considering I believe uh, uh, Hoyer went. Yeah, the name escapes me at the moment. It was something I never heard of, but. Uh, and the other one was uh, actually, actually happened earlier than that. The first touchdown was on uh, a punt. Not surprisingly, Jets punting to New England, and uh, the New England receiver fumbled, and the ball was recovered in the end zone. So I, anyway, the point is is that it's very unpredictable uh, as far as these quarterbacks that are rookies or starting their first games or something. And it's, I mean, it's just one game. Yeah. You know, you don't know if it's going to continue, but it makes it fun you know it makes yeah. it interesting makes it unpredictable and uh, it'd be interesting to see the long-term prognosis of people like kyle allen and, and uh, jones there of the giants when i see uh, obviously talking about the giants uh notable injuries this week you've got saquon barkley with the high ankle sprain uh timetable on that seems to be uh lesser known at the moment but obviously it's a can be a several week kind of thing to possibly i mean anything can get worse um, yeah, typically a high ankle sprain, uh, if, it, if it's true high ankle sprain, typically is a multi-week injury. And then you've got uh, Edelman, injured ribs. He should be okay, though. Um, you've got uh, Hilton actually left the game after hurting quad. Uh, that that one I know usually typically can be kind of a sort of up and down um, yeah, that's more of a muscle injury, so yeah, we don't know. That could be a one-week, a day-to-day, or, or it could be multi-week. It, it just depends on the severity, obviously. And I'm loving uh, I'm loving the usual thing here. Uh, Dalvin Cook, again, another week, just just ramping it up. I'm, I'm waiting for the injury. Um, <laughs> he's on my fantasy team, of course. It's uh, I'm waiting for it because he's, he's, my, he's my rock. I need him to yeah, stay, stay I, all right. You know, just the way the uh, I'm in five different fantasy football leagues, and just the way the drafts came out. I mean, I didn't get any shares at all, Dalvin Cook. And I'm really kicking myself because I, I had him on one of my teams last year. And I liked him, and uh, I think, uh, like you say, uh, barring injury, I think he's going to be spectacular. You know, as yeah. far as uh, both real life football as well as fantasy football. Uh, tremendously fast, good moves, can catch the ball, uh, outstanding pass pr- protector. Uh, receiver, you can check all the boxes, and uh, like I say, barring injury, you're in great shape. So, 
I think I just like picking on the Steelers. It's kind of a resentment, <laughs> I, uh, at least from the 2000s kind of thing. But uh, they they get a they get a late a late hit from the 49ers today, and they also drop. I mean, they're 0 and 3 now, are they? Yeah, and uh, you know the Steelers actually. Uh, I don't know if I say lucky, I guess there's some skill involved, but they were lucky the game was that close because. Uh, San Francisco was moving the ball pretty much at will up and down the field. The only thing that kept that score close is that San Francisco fumbled three times yeah. deep in Pittsburgh territory uh, to keep that game close. But uh, they should have won going away, really. The 49ers, in terms of yards and so forth, dominated that one. The Steelers are in a, a world of hurt, let me tell you. Well, and then also speaking of world of hurt, Emmanuel Sanders <laughs> commenting that the Broncos are in a world of suck after... Uh, Starting out 0-3 after a particularly heartbreaking loss for them to the Bears. I mean, depends on who you ask, I guess. The two people on the couch, it's not too heartbreaking. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but for them, anyway, probably uh, seen as a, a lost opportunity to take a game in hand. And, of course, the Packers walk in and... Uh, you know, take the game twenty four or twenty seven sixteen. Yeah, in fact, I, I was surprised the game was that close, frankly, at the Green Bay and... You know, nothing against the Broncos. Uh, I've liked the Broncos, a lot of their additions from prior years. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, to me, this is not a mystery. Uh, so they bring in Joe Flacco. That's their big free agent acquisition or their big quarterback acquisition. And he may be a step up over what they had. Well, what they had was awful. But uh, no, no, this is a mystery. The defense isn't what it once was. Um, I didn't see at the end of the game, but through, I, I think, half the game at least, I know the announcer said that through two and a half games, uh, the Denver Bronco defense had zero turnovers and zero sacks for the year. Well, that's pretty much was the hallmark of, of Denver was tremendous defense. Yeah. So I don't know what happened at the end of the game, but their defense isn't what it once was, and the offense has been bad for several years now. Um, I guess the running backs are, are good. They're the strength of the thing, but the... the, the Receiving and the blocking and the quarterback. And of course, if your quarterbacking is bad, then you know, your offense is pretty much <laughs> stuck in the mud. I think uh, in, the, in today's NFL. Yeah, that's that seems to be kind of the way it um, it rolls. Uh, in a, the story that I'm more excited about, um, I am loving the sloppy underdog that is Buffalo at this point in time. <laughs> I um, I, was, I love Allen. I love Josh Allen. So realistically, I'm. Uh, I'm all in on the Buffalo, the Buffalo train. So I hope this kind of keeps rolling. I know they got some tough competition to run into, so hopefully they can um, they can keep going. But they've had a couple games where they probably shouldn't have come out of there with the victory. Uh, well, yeah, you know the the first game of the year, the Jets had them down sixteen nothing, and uh, I I thought that was going to be all she wrote, and they came back uh, to their credit and won it. And uh, to your point, I mean, I, I don't think they're a fluke. Uh, you know, I, they're not going to the Super Bowl. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. But uh, they should have a pretty good record this year. Um, will they threaten for the, making the playoffs? Well, maybe. But that team is for real in terms of, uh, you know, they, they don't stink like they have sometimes in, in recent years. Yeah, no, they, um, there's definitely some power left in that. Well, based on the games we've seen so far, um, we can tell that uh, the game, the game right now, as we're recording this, the Rams and Browns are currently uh, at a particular stalemate, so that game could really go anywhere. But the big game for us is uh, coming up tomorrow. The Bears are taking on the Washington Redskins. Um, I don't know the Redskins' record off the top of my head, but the Bears going to it one and one, and. Uh, I, I, think I think they're own too, the Redskins. That's, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, certainly, even though it's at Washington, I know the Bears are, are favored by a few points. Um, but, and the Bears should win. Um, they might not, but they should They should win. They're, they're better than Redskins, there's no question. It's on the strength of the defense. Uh, and on, on the grander scale, uh, the thing about the Bears is that you know, we thought maybe they had turned a corner when they finally drafted a couple of years ago in the first round a quarterback. You know, for decades and decades, probably for the whole of Bears' existence from 1920 or whatever, uh, they 
the theory is being let's play good defense, uh, run the football, and the quarterback position was kind of a, an evil necessity. You know, let's just get a game manager. Let's get somebody in there who's not going to screw it up. And that really has not been good enough to win the Super Bowl for quite a few decades now. Yeah. And uh, it still isn't today. In today's NFL, passing is, is really king. So we thought maybe you know, a couple of years ago, drafted Mitchell Trubisky, maybe uh, they, they finally used the first round to draft a quarterback. Maybe we're going to turn a corner here. Maybe the philosophy has changed, this, this ancient organizational thought process. But i got to say one thing, and this has come up in some talk shows now, but I was saying this two years ago. Maybe you can remember me saying it to you and your mother and everyone who would listen to me, my friends. When they drafted Trubisky, my reaction was, first of all, I thought it was a huge, enormous mistake to trade up from the number three overall spot to the number two overall spot. They traded away some valuable draft picks. I thought that was idiotic just because... You, know, you, had more, you had more options. I mean, you still had Deshaun Watson. I think, well, even and that's, that's my second point. The thing is, they, they identified Trubisky as this is our guy. And they were locked into him. They had to have him come heck or high water. And so they traded up because I think the 49ers were the step ahead of them. They kind of floated rumors that maybe they might tra- take Trubisky. You know? so, they, so they gouged the Bears and got some draft picks to move up a spot. Well, it was idiotic because there was zero chance they were going to take Trubisky. And then we'd have, <coughs> we'd have Jimmy Graps if, if the, we had let him take Trubisky. Well, <laughs> Which I would prefer <laughs> at this point. Well, you know, you kind of hinted. The second one, and this is even a more major thing, I was yelling, when they took Trubisky, I was yelling at the top of my lungs. I wanted Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, Mahomes, who eventually wound up several draft picks even below Watson. Yeah. And I was yelling. I said, those guys are miles above. And this is not a mystery. I mean, they were miles above in college, and all their measurables were miles above. I guess deep down I, I feel good for both of them because it's a, it's a complete trap to be here. So realistically, I think um, yeah. the better for Mahomes' <laughs> career and, and Deshaun's career that they ended up where no, they did. But you, but you know what? I, I hear what you're saying. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's only a trap if you make it so. I've seen so many great people die here. No, but you, it's only a trap if you make it so. Yeah. You, and, and in and this the, case... And, the, and management and coaching tends to make it so. <laughs> that's, usually, well, that's really, usually their go. Well, yeah, the management obviously drives everything at the top, believe it or not. But my point is, I was trying to get back to, is that we so we see the Bears today. And you say, well, Joe, they were 12-4 and four last year, did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly an excellent record. They're not going to do that this year. But it was a good record, and they played well. But the, the tremendous defense and all the turnovers they produced really kind of was a deodorant over the quarterback play, which was really up and down. He certainly had a couple of good games, Trubisky. I think he threw six touchdown passes against Tampa Bay. And I would say Tampa Bay had a historically bad defense, probably the worst in NFL history, recent NFL history. <laughs> I was going to say, there's Miami now, so you got to look out. Yeah, Miami, give them a run for their money, I guess. But I, but he did have a few good games, but he had a whole bunch of bad ones. Uh, and I, and yeah. I had to laugh because I heard even on a sports channel uh, talk a few days back, people were talking about, well, Trubisky really looked good in that Philadelphia Eagle playoff game last year because, you know, he when they were down, he drove them the length of the field and put them in position to win with a field goal. And, you know, it was just a field goal kicker who missed. Well, my point is, well, what about the whole rest of the game? Yeah, they only well, got 15 it, points, for crying out loud. And it seems so clear, though, at the same time, that the usual offense of, of Matt Nagy that would be a particularly running, uh, the, it would run efficiently and would, and would go quickly, and move the ball down the field, uh, it really kind of got constipated in the playoff game. And they, they really they didn't unleash the hounds until the end of the game, and it was a little too late to let them kind of fling the ball down the field. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, you cannot go into a playoff game and all of a sudden you pull in your horn, especially you're at home. And it's been quite a number of years since you've won a playoff game. I mean, you got to come out. You know, they should have been on a high. They should have been turning cartwheels, you know, entering the field. And they look really conservative, super conservative yeah. on offense and kind of dead. Uh, they were big favorites over the Eagles. So my point is, is what about the rest of the game? They only got 15 points the whole game. Yeah. Uh, Most of it was field goals. You know, it was all, yeah, mostly field goals. So I don't Anyway, getting back to this year, so yeah. this is where we're at in the Bears, is the Bears could be a way better team than they are if they didn't have Trubisky. Yeah. Which is you know, is a controversial statement because as I listen to most people walking around or in, in talk radio in Chicago, people think that 
Trubisky's the future of the Bears. Well, you know, he is the future of the Bears now because well. we've got him, we're stuck with him. And maybe he'll, my guess, my prediction is he'll be okay. Yeah. You know, he'll get by, you know, his, his competition, his Bear quarterbacks from the past, the bar is really low. But uh, compared to Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, we really made a horrendous, horrendous decision, and that's going to haunt them for many years to come. So the Bears will be competitive because they got a good defense. Yeah. But uh, well, they're, stepping, they're never, probably never going to be in the Super Bowl or you know, win well, the playoff game. Well, and stepping from that into the current week's dilemma, I, I look at Washington and my, my first thought that I have is <clears throat> Washington seems to have found some kind of offensive rhythm. Even though they've had some bad they've they've lost their games, they even went into the Cowboys, who now we, we are seeing, um, well, only frustrating if you don't have them on your fantasy team but we're seeing a turn of events now where the cowboys are particularly becoming <laughs> sort of runaways and um <clears throat> i think for me washington still was able to put up over 20 points on the cowboys so i look at that and against my other teams i would worry about that more but i feel like the bears defense should be able to hold that down but but again i don't see a huge threat on washington's defense but i also don't see a lot of reasons that the offense should be able to take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely not. And that's, I, the, that's the part that probably scares me the most. Well, the reason, the, you're right. I, the reason I give the Bears still the edge over Washington is because of the defense once again. The de- <laughs> Bear defense uh, is way better than Dallas defense, first yeah. of all. Although, obviously, you know, sports are not transitive. You know, just because Team A beats Team B and B beats C, that doesn't mean A can beat C. But uh, the offense is terrible. Yeah. And they may change that for one game. <laughs> But, and that's why my long, exasperated talk about, <laughs> about Mitchell Trubisky came into play here. My, my whole point is going into your Washington game is uh, the likelihood is they're not going to blow him out or you know, score a zillion points because yeah. you know, he's just okay. You know, he's not a bum. He doesn't stink, but he, he's yeah. just okay. You know, we could have done a lot better. And uh, to your point, it seems like the coach has really pulled in his horns on some of this play calling. Well, and I and I picked I picked the Bears in <clears throat> if you remember from the first episode, our thirty minute, our half the episode pick'em segment, <laughs> yeah. um, which will not be happening again in that length. Um, <clears throat> I picked the Bears in that one, but um, funny enough, in the survivor pool at work, uh, I decided to press my luck again and go for the win-win scenario, which was pick Washington to win. And what you do there is that basically you get three strikes. Oh, you get three strikes. You get three strikes, and if you're wrong, you just can't pick either team if you're wrong. And most, I don't yeah, win. most and, survivor <clears throat> pools, you just one strike and you're gone. So this was three strikes, and I don't have any going through the first two weeks because I've been right, because I did the same thing week one. I picked the Packers. Yeah, I've and been, so they uh, won that game. So I picked Washington in the hopes that either I'm right and I get no strikes or I'm wrong and the hopeful reality is the Bears are 2-1 and one coming out of the week. So <laughs> I, I win either way as far as I'm concerned. Well, speaking of the Bears, <clears throat> I'm move this into uh, something, uh, an, a segment that I'm particularly excited about if this continues. But uh, one of the things about my dad that it's a particularly... A wondrous quality about this man is that he is a <laughs> a man of facts and a man of trivia. Um, he's a real uh, he's a brain man. He's a brain man for sure. And what uh, I would like to introduce here, in a light of the Bears being one of the original teams here, is um, a video that came out on the NFL's website about the hundred-year history of the NFL from its origins based on um, teams that have been in the league and uh, locations of teams and how they've merged. Um, I know you've got some information on this, so I want to start the inaugural episode, a segment of I Don't Think Most People Realize with my dad, Joe Dante. <laughs> well, thank you, Jay. Well, <clears throat> Actually, these facts I, I did not uh, glean from that video you mentioned. Although, I think as you, usual, I post a link to a video. You, you sound more <laughs> like Bartek every every moment. All the things I post on there, and they don't get followed. Well, but at least you have papers, I guess. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't look at everything. You have a lot That's to look fair. At. 
But uh, I know that uh, you watched it and you thought it was an excellent video. So some of the stuff is probably on, on the video. But some of the stuff I just knew, being a, a little bit of a football historian, not a big one, but a little bit of one. And uh, there's really some fascinating things going on about the National Football League in honor of its 100th anniversary. Uh, some of the things that uh, the average person walking around probably not aware of. Of course, we know uh, one thing we, we think of the football today as being this huge money sport. It's got the biggest TV contract by far. The most popular uh, watch sport around uh, the U.S. and uh, maybe sort of uh, soccer. It's probably maybe around the world. But the fact of the matter is, uh, it had pretty humble origins. Back uh, on August 20th, 1920, the National Football League was performed. Back then, it was uh, or it was uh, it was formed, and uh, it was actually called the American Professional Football Association. It took a couple of years before. It would become the NFL. And believe it or not, it was formed in a Huntmobile dealership in Canton, Ohio. Okay, that's the main reason you know, many people don't know. Is that that's why the Pro Football Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio, because that's, that makes sense. that's where uh, it was formed. August 20th, 1920. So George Hallis and several people got together. And uh, most of the teams that signed up for this league were local teams. They played in uh, amateur leagues, usually sponsored by corporations, local companies, and factories. And uh, talk about a big money league, the cost to join, which a lot of people don't know about, was $100. Oh. $100, yeah. even in 1920, was not much money. Yeah. So you think of a team like the Bears, 100 bucks, uh, maybe in today's dollars, might be uh, $1,500 or so, 1500 to $2,000. Well, I think the team today is probably worth you know, two to three billion. Yeah. If they were to sell the thing, you know, the Cowboys were, were actually recently evaluated as being way more than that. Uh, so really humble origins. And uh, the other thing to think about is that uh, the team that actually is the oldest team in the league, has, has been in existence the longest, is the Green Bay Packers. And they were not an original member. <laughs> they actually were formed in 1919 as a local team and didn't join the NFL until 1921. So just... Uh, a year younger than uh, a couple of other teams. The only two teams that are still around, actually, from 1920 are the Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, they were the Chicago Cardinals originally, and the Bears were the Decatur Staley's originally. Well, as I recall from the video, that was a... Because uh, <clears throat> obviously the, the Staley's are from Decatur, who eventually moved to Chicago, but the other team was the Tigers, I believe. The Chicago Tigers. I think they only lasted a season. Right, you're absolutely Pass. right. But those, the, the, but the Bears and Cardinals are the only two that actually were in 1920 yes. are still still around in there today. Of course, the Cardinals have moved around a bit. 1960 went to St. Louis, became St. Louis Cardinals, and then uh, of course moved to Arizona. Um, I want to say it was in the 90s, if I recall. I don't have the year in front of me, but of course Chicago Staley's that was named after their company, uh, the Staley Syrup Manufacturing Company, just like a lot of. Those old teams were named after local companies and factories. A lot of the uh, players were workers there, and that's how they recruited some of their <laughs> players back in those days. I'm sure all of them were there by uh, completely uh, upon their own will. So the other thing you got to remember too is that uh, back in those days, pro football was was nothing. It yeah. was really small potatoes. The big thing was baseball. Yeah. Everybody followed baseball, and uh, the other big thing, as far as football is concerned, is college football. Everyone was going a gag about college football. That's where all the betting was. That's where all the interest was, the fan attendance. And then you even have the Bears taking their colors. The origin of the colors is more based on... Oh, you're absolutely right. Illinois. University of Illinois. Yeah, yeah Bears got their orange and, and navy blue from University of Illinois. You're right. So you might get, uh, back in 1920, you might get 100,000 show up for a Michigan Wolverines game. Uh, even 50, 60 might show up for an Illinois game. But uh, in 1920, for a Bears game or Decatur Staley's game back then, they'd have to pass the hat around sometimes. Uh, there might be 500 people there if you're lucky, or 1,000 people if you're really lucky. In fact, uh, later on, uh, getting ahead of myself, but later on, that was the big thing about Red Grange joining the Bears in 1925, was that for the first time ever, he had this big name uh, college athlete coming in, yeah. and uh, attendance ballooned 
from an average of about 5,000 in 1925 to about 30 to 35,000 when, when he played. So football really had humble origins and was underfinanced, only cost 100 bucks to join, was really a poor cousin to every other sport uh, compared to the powerhouse it is today. So being underfinanced, a lot of teams would come and go. A lot of teams would only last for a year or two or three, and then new teams would come in. And uh, in order to not compete with baseball, or in some cases with college teams, uh, a lot of these guys would be in small cities. So I, I'll give you a quick example here. Now here's the 1921 lineup. And you think of all the small towns these are in. The Chicago Staley's, of course, Buffalo All-Americans, the Akron Pros, of course in Ohio, Green Bay Packers, Canton Bulldogs, the Dayton Triangles, or Dayton, Ohio, Rhode Island Independent, or I'm sorry, Rock Island Independence, that was in Illinois, <laughs> Chicago Cardinals, the Cleveland Indians, Rochester, Minnesota, presumably, Jefferson's, Detroit Heralds, Columbus Panhandles, and the Cincinnati Celts. So you got, you know, maybe three major cities. A, three major so cities. The 49ers maybe. before the 49ers, the Panhandlers. <laughs> yeah, so you only had a handful of states mm -hmm. involved in the Midwest. Uh, New York wasn't involved, really, the city, and Buffalo was in there, but not the city. So the idea was you didn't want to compete with, with baseball, especially, because there was some overlap of the seasons, and you don't want to compete uh, even with college football that might be nearby. Uh, anyway, so these teams would kind of come and go. They were very lightly financed, nothing like you'd see today. Uh, of course, players played on both sides of the ball. The whole team might only have 15 guys on it, 15, 20 guys on it. Now they've got 53 guys on the team. Uh, so it, it's really pretty fascinating how it's expanded to this, this behemoth that it is today. Another thing that happened is that during World War II, uh, a few of the teams, because of lack of manpower, everybody was in the war serving as a soldier. So some teams actually combined. It would be unthinkable today. Uh, the most famous one was uh, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles combined teams because they were so hired up uh, for people and they, they were kind of colloquially called the Steagles. Yeah. <laughs> That's where that name came from. The other thing is that some of the most famous teams of today actually came from another league. The All-American Football Conference was formed uh, in the, I think, 1946 if memory serves me right. And uh, like many leagues, they tried to compete with the NFL and failed, but there were three teams that were, were good enough and popular enough. They joined the NFL uh, in 1950 and are still here today, really big teams. And they are the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Colts, and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so some of the most popular teams actually came from another league. And the thing about it, I want to bring that up because the Cleveland Browns in particular won all four years of that league's existence. And then to prove it wasn't a fluke, they came into the mighty NFL in 1950, and they won seven of the next ten NFL championships. It's really a, <clears throat> really a full turn from, a, from the more recent. I mean, I know they're not the same team because they're now... Uh... They're the Ravens now, aren't they, technically? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think around 99, they actually moved to Baltimore and became the Ravens, and then they started up a new Cleveland team a yeah. year or two later. And I guess according to the NFL, for whatever this is worth, the the, the current Cleveland Browns team is the official successor. They had kind of closed the, the books yeah. on the Browns when they moved to Baltimore. Right. Right. The Baltimore is considered a truly new team, even though obviously those players were the same. They were used to be in Cleveland. Uh, and the thing is, is that uh, you talk about a fascinating fact that with the Cleveland Browns coming in, since they were in the championship game, their quarterback was Otto Graham, uh, Hall of Famer. Otto Graham is the only player in NFL history who played 10 or more years in the NFL and played for the championship all 10 all years. Every year he was in the NFL, which was 10 years. So, it's almost like the, uh, it's kind of a Brady-esque thing in the, <laughs> it's like a super Brady in the 50s. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns, you're right, were the, were the Patriots before the Patriots, I guess. Uh, and Otto Graham was, was Brady before Brady. Uh, some of these football teams, another thing, people don't realize they were named uh, after baseball teams. So you had teams like the Tigers and the Giants, the Yankees, the Dodgers. There was a Brooklyn Dodgers football team for a while, for example. 
Uh, of course, the New York Giants, uh, before before the uh, the baseball team moved to San Francisco, you had two New York Giants teams. You know, as they all like to, as they all like to lovingly look back and call them the New York Football Giants, yeah. even though there's no, even though there's no other Giants there. Yeah, you know, when I was a little kid, I could see, say, in the you know mid late '60s, I could understand they were saying, "Well, the New York Football Giants," but you know what? They've been in San Francisco for over 60 years now. I don't think anybody, when you say the New York Giants, I don't think anybody confuses them uh, anymore. Yeah, I doubt, I doubt most people think about that. And obviously a lot of the teams, uh, like any league, have, have moved to other cities, changed them. You mentioned Baltimore, for example. Obviously it's something like the Baltimore Colts and now the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we talked about the Cardinals moving all over the place. No, for a while, and I don't have the years off the top of my head. I think it was in the 40s prior to, obviously, the Rams. <clears throat> but uh, there was a team called the uh, the Los Angeles Dons, and they played just a handful of years in the NFL. But the thing weren't was, they the team that never played right, in LA? But the thing about that is, <laughs> is that they never played at home. <laughs> they were this is like a, a traveling team. circus football they were, team. They were kind of the Washington Generals before the Washington Generals. <laughs> No, because back then there was no air travel. Yeah. Uh, airplanes existed, but there was no real commercial air travel. It was easy. So if you looked at all the leagues, baseball, basketball, football, every, everything was was east of the Mississippi River. Yeah. So, the, the, but I guess L.A. was be rapidly becoming a big city. They wanted something to call their own, so they created this, this L.A. Dons team. But because of travel, you know, they, all, they played on the road all the time. They stayed east of the Mississippi all the time. They only lasted a couple of years. Another fascinating fact is that uh, one of the cool things is all these logos that uh, teams have on their helmets and and, uh, and their ads and so forth. And did you know the first team in the NFL to have a logo on their helmet was the LA Rams. Hmm. They, they had the Rams horn hmm. prior to that. Of course, they had leather helmets so back yeah. in the 30s or whatever. But even in the 40s, you would typically just have a, a black helmet or blue helmet or something with no design on it. But the Rams uh, opened that up. And of course, today, everybody has logos on their helmets. And there's only one team, though, that only has a logo on one side of their helmet and not the other. The radio silence as Jay tries to figure out the answer to this question. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> oh. so, I already knew who the one that didn't have a logo was. <laughs> well, obviously, the Browns don't have a logo. They just have a brown helmet. But uh, yeah. But I guess the brown helmet is their is their logo the, for lack of a. I get it. The hint helped. Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. Oh, I'm so good. I don't know how you got that one, Jake. I don't know. So anyway, a lot of fascinating things. But the the thing to take away is that the NFL is mighty after a hundred years today. But when it started out, it was this real third class weakling uh, with teams coming and going, underfinanced, a hundred bucks to join. Didn't know if it would survive. So with everybody out there thinking about you start a new business or you start something new, you know, you got to just keep keep in there, keep tough, keep fighting, keep trying. Because, uh, you know, look what happened to the NFL. Well, and that is the official first segment of I Don't Think Most People Realize. I loved it. I hope uh, hope everybody learned something there. So that's uh, it's proof of the... Uh, Wonderful, wonderful things that you can start from what seems like nothing. <laughs> anyway, to you can imagine that every single venture that you go down will turn out as successful as the NFL 100% of the time. Is that what I'm getting from this? <laughs> no matter how bad it looks in the beginning, 100% of the time. Guaranteed. There you go. There you go. Um, the 90 degree turn here. We're not quite fully going around, but um, I know one of the things that still sits kind of roughly on the teetering on the edge of people's minds is um, with all the QB injuries, you have Breeze going down, who seems like he's backed up pretty well um, based on their game from this week. Yeah, Teddy Gav Bridgewater, huh? Yeah, Ben, who went down, who looks like he's moderately backed up with Rudolph. And then you've got. Uh, who knows what the loads of injuries you could have. I mean, he had Foles going down, who has Minshew now kind of carrying the mantle a bit, but he might not even be the, the final answer. I'm going to say it. Where does Kaepernick fit in in the mess? 
<laughs> like it's it's hard to tell anymore because I've seen really exciting videos of him where he's he's doing great workouts the arm still looks like it's got plenty of zip he looks like he's in really good shape I know he's um, I believe he's 30 now if I'm not if I'm not yeah, wrong there he's, 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 he's around that age yeah, but um pretty close I think if he's me that means he feels like the oldest person in the world but you know <laughs> in his shape in his shape yeah, he's he, a he's in shape in his, in his shape <laughs> he, he I'm assuming he's still pretty fit to do that but where where does he I don't know when you start thinking about backups even where he sits I feel like to me he sits much higher than most teams backup roster I mean obviously you've got people taking over like Jones or Minshew or um, or Bridgewater and Taysom Hill where you're thinking there could be something but so many other teams I mean I like Chase Daniel but I, I look at it and I go I just don't I don't know if necessarily if he would be a Kaepernick backup I, mean, I know you don't want to bring in because Kaepernick I'm sure wants to come in and it would be a play and I want to try and be a starter kind of thing so you don't necessarily want him in a market with Trubisky if you're trying to do that because you're worried you know you'd be worried that he's going to turn some kind of you know market against Trubisky and suddenly you're going to be in that position but I mean well I, I honestly don't think you're going to see Kaepernick in the NFL ever again yeah, uh, I, you know, you raise a, obviously an excellent point because you know is Kaepernick better than some of the uh, backup quarterbacks in the NFL today? Uh, quite possibly so. He's certainly better than Chase Daniels, for example, uh, which is an interesting thing. I say that Trubisky's okay. You know, yeah. he's okay, not great, but he's but, Chase, little, but Chase he, Daniel is is terrible. Well, <laughs> so, well, well, and what's if, funny if is Trubisky goes down. It, that's the end. Well, and, and you know, and we thought that, and Chase Chase managed to go one on one last year. Um, well, a small sample size. <laughs> yeah, it is. But my my worry is between the two of them, the the discernible characteristics between him and Chase Daniels. Sometimes it's kind of scary how little of a variance that is between, like, if Rogers goes down, the variable between how good Rogers is and his backup. Is a is a pretty heavy well, yeah, price the, to pay. That's, that the, but, the sad part is the differential is not that great, only because your starter is not that good. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, I mean that's the scariest part of that whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean at this point in time, I guess I don't I I don't know why he would go back because I'm assuming there's plenty of money and what's happening right now with him and all of his various offers he has. I'm assuming there's been plenty of money. Well, I think Kaepernick's interested in going back in the NFL. Not, yeah. not like he was two, three years ago, but I think he's interested. But the reason I say you're not going to see him again, I don't believe, is because a couple of things. One is, uh, uh, you know, he had, of course, a lawsuit against the NFL. And uh, I think originally was looking for like $100 million. And he wound up settling for $10 million, which which people were really shocked because obviously... He has a lot of money, and we're thinking that you know he's doing this for principle. So people were kind of surprised. Gee, you know, ten million is not much. Yeah. Uh, so that was a shocker. But basically, that absolves the NFL from any future suits from him or accusations of you know collusion and keeping him off the field and so forth. So here's the thing. So after they've settled, now the owners have got that behind them. There's really no motivation for them to want to put him back on the football field well, it's really and, sad. and maybe start yeah. this thing all over again. Once you put him back on a team, then this whole thing can happen all over again. I think it opens up the whole liability that's situation true. again. So that's number one. Number two is that his age, you mentioned he's over 30 now. Yeah. You see people like Daniel Jones who are young, or Kyle Allen, they're young, they're doing great. So, you know, are there a handful of teams that Kaepernick might be better than their backup? Absolutely true. And and uh, I, I, I personally, I, I'd like to see Kaepernick play. But just because of legal reasons and the fact that um, he's already had this settlement and the fact that teams want to go younger, I, I, I just think that the, the incentive to bring him back is just not there. Well, I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, speaking of more controversial matters, of course, um, the California... Uh, California House voted on um, allowing college athletes to take uh, to make money on endorsement deals, uh, abiding that they don't conflict with their own school's uh, current deals. But in my opinion, 
I honestly don't see a problem. I guess I thought about like if schools were paying athletes, then you start having issues where some schools are going to lose out on some people because they can't afford to pay them like other schools can. Or yeah. obviously then you start talking about how does a school pay, how they pay men versus women, how they pay various sports versus other sports athletes who come in. And you run into more issues with that. But then when you start talking about a third party being involved or me being able to make money on signing something, then you kind of take the college out of the equation. And I think the college is usually the one who's most worried about the blowback from it. So like when I see that, my main thing is like they don't want to pay people because then it leads to a whole bunch of disparities. But when a third party's involved, it's like it's not really the college's thing anymore. It's not their their problem if um, the men's water polo team isn't getting paid endorsements, but the football team does because that's because that shows the market disparity, not the college choosing favorites or something like that. Or if you're, I even was saying this um, to Bart during the week about how, you know, if you're a guy in some sport where they're not making a lot, you can get sponsored, you can do a signing event or get sponsored by some local sandwich shop and make some extra money to eat because you have athletes who who claim to not be able to afford food and can't afford to go, you know, short distances because they can't afford anything outside of their own room and board. And so I look at that where I'm like, even that on a minor scale, it's nice to have the ability to go to a third party, but I guess I'd want to, I'll defer to the, defer to the brain here. Cause I'm sure you've got, <laughs> you've got at least something that I haven't, I haven't touched on. Well, I think my, my opinion might end up being the, the minority, but I, I, this is one of those classic issues, in my opinion. It kind of falls into the heading where you, when you hear the facts in their most basic form, you know, should we pay college athletes or should they be allowed to be paid? Uh, you know, and, and the average person walking around, yeah, they've earned it. Go for it. They should get whatever they can. Wonderful. And it's not that I'm against that. Let me be clear. You know, I, I, I want to see people get what they earn. And my, my only point is this is one of those issues where your initial reaction is, yeah, let, let pay for them. But I think before you make a decision, you have to kind of look at the complexities. You have to look at all the different angles. What are the ramifications down the line as far as, uh, like, this California passing this law? And I, I think we don't know all the ramifications yet, but there's a few things we do know. One is that if we're going to allow this, we can't just do it in California. You know, it has to be something nationwide because obviously, and they have a lot of schools, and they have like 50 NCAA schools. So they're going to have an unfair advantage in recruiting people if they know they can get paid you know, for yeah. endorsement deals and so forth, and these other states can't. So first of all, I, I think we have to take a look at what are all the states doing? We can't just do it in one state or two states or three states. It would have to be something national. Uh, two is that we have to look at the ramifications as far as uh, even, even if it was national, what would happen with some of the big schools that have lots of um, money or, or more importantly, a lot of their alumni have a lot of money. Well, they may set up sh you know, sham corporations to start, uh, in an effort to recruit top talent, start paying people, uh, which is going to happen. I mean, we already have recruiting violations, even with the current NCA rules. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's a huge deal that now all of a sudden you've got schools are going to be competing for athletes based on money. I mean, they're basically professionals really before, the, before they even get into college. And then the other thing too, the other thing we got to look at is what other ramifications are there. Uh, an example would be um, are, 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 should there be limits on the money that somebody could make? You know, you might have somebody who's a star running back somewhere and they could get endorsement deals for a million a year. Uh, you know, somebody else maybe only can get uh, 10,000 a year or 5,000 a year. I, it seems like if you're going to pass this law, and this is just off the cuff, I think it's got to be national, but otherwise it also has to be some kind of severe limitations on it. We can't have people be making a million or two million. 
they're going to be leaving school. Um, they're going to be, you know, going at poten potentially self-destructive behaviors because they get all this money all of a sudden. Um, and like I said, there's going to be a wide disparity in recruiting people. There's just a lot of ramifications here that I think we got to sort out as opposed to just simply leaping on the bandwagon. Yeah, it's great. Let's pay them. Um, I'm not saying don't do it, but I would say rather than California just taking it upon themselves, I think the NCAA probably needs to work with uh, representatives of the different schools and uh, and figure out what's the best way to implement something. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, so you hate college athletes. It's pretty much what you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's I what have, I'm gathering I from know. it. We have this, I may have I may have been I may we, have heard we, you incorrectly. We, but. we have this electronically recording. I don't mm. recall saying those exact words. Uh, not at all. If I if I could if I change the if I cut you up a bit in the recording and put it together again, I bet I can make it say that. <laughs> I'm sh I'm sure you probably could. No, I, no. <laughs> I said at the beginning, if you when you play that back, because I, I really feel that people should get what they earn based on supply and demand. You know, there's a big demand to watch college football, for example. So, you know, nationally football players feel like they should share in some of that revenue. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree. All I'm saying is I, I don't think it's a good idea for California to take it upon themselves to pass a law unilaterally uh, without the NCAA's involvement or other states' involvement because uh, we don't know what all the ramifications are going to be. Uh, right now, now the law doesn't go into effect until 2023, so, but when it, if it does, and I've left a door open for future amendments, and I guarantee there will be future amendments yes. because obviously they, they wanted to bring the NCAA to the table, so that was their way to do it. So there'll be the negotiations over the next few years, and something will be worked out. So maybe we can get some, you know, get the athletes somewhat of what they deserve. But yeah. uh, I, I, I think to just have a un, have one state do it or to have unbridled without limitations, uh, I think there's gonna be some adverse ramifications. And, and you know, the other thing too is you gotta give the, the colleges some credit for this too, okay? The reason why football is popular is not solely solely due to the running back that they have at their school or the quarterback. You know, it's because of the reputation of the school, the reputation of its football program that they've built and so forth. Um, so, you know, they deserve some. And you gotta, the other thing you gotta remember, you talk about ramifications is, this, a lot of this football money or basketball money and other big money sports, this is used to fund women's athletics. It's used to finance other men's sports too, like baseball, where the, the attendance is not that high. Um, if there was a significant you know, cut to that money for paying the football athletes, for example, or paying the basketball, yeah. that's going to be less money to go to the other sports. Well, they wouldn't be getting paid. Coming well, from they're getting a, endorsement. It'd be coming from an endorsement. That's all. That's all it even but, talks but some about. Of the, really. But some of the schools are going to be losing out on on a lot of the uh, athletes coming to their school and might not make as much money. Um, yeah, but well, anyway, well, of course, there's only so much talent to go around too. Realistically, yeah. you can only enroll so many people. But well, anyway, to finish off the whole thing here, I know um, you're a little more in touch with the baseball world uh, than me. Can you summarize the Cubs in under ten words? Well, uh, yeah, running out of Cubs, words. Cubs stink. It's it's really yeah. basic. Like I, the reason we brought the Cubs and up, people though, out of, they're out they, of words. They seem to be relatively, or, or they seem to be irrelevant at this point in time. Have, having lost six in a row, uh, they've lost five games in a row by one run. Uh, in fact, right in the thick of a pennant race here, trying to either win the division or wild card. But the uh, the short answer is uh, we're we're here really to perform the last rites tonight. <laughs> Over the Cubs, uh, incredibly, I, you know, a week ago there were two games behind the Cardinals. Now there's seven games behind the Cardinals, and there are four games out of the wild card with only seven games left to play. Jeez. And and the worst part of this, of course, is they stink. They 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 they're just not that good. <laughs> the they, worst part. They don't hit very well. They're not consistent. Yeah. And they just don't have that. Uh, bottom line is they just don't have that will to win. Um, like the Cardinals did. You know, this four-game Cardinals series, um, Cubs could have won all those games. Yeah. Uh, they won four straight by one, or they lost four straight by one run. And last two games, they had the lead going into the ninth inning. They had the lead and uh, and and blew it. They couldn't just let them tie it. They had them take, take the lead in the ninth inning and blew it. So 
the Cardinals look look great. They're energized. You look at them; they have that, that sense of urgency, that will to win. They're going really into the playoffs. Who knows? Even though on paper, you know, not, don't look as good as the Dodgers, but they could make some hay because they have that that that's fire, that sense of urgency. The Cubs look dead. And so, really, to kind of wrap up, you know, people are wondering, well, what's going to happen? Well, Cubs have missed the playoffs, obviously. Uh, Madden will not be rehired. Now, technically, he won't be fired because his contract ends this mm. year. They just won't renew it. And I think they're probably, my guess, and it's just a guess, that they're looking for somebody maybe with uh, Chicago roots, you know, like a Joe Girardi maybe, or, uh, or, or uh, Ross, the catcher, you know, from a couple of years back. Um, somebody like that. I'm not, and obviously, Joe Mann's a good manager. It's not his fault necessarily. I mean, the players played bad, but... Uh, you know, management are going to have to look at the roster, obviously, and bring in some different players. But, you know, to be perfectly honest, I thought management done a really good job. They brought in this uh, Nicholas Castellanos, who's been terrific. Um, <clears throat> they brought in, who was supposed to be uh, one of the top three closers of all time. You know, they, they hired as a free agent at mid-year, got him into shape and everything. And uh, he's been terrible. Yeah. He's been absolutely awful. I think his ERA is like six or more. <laughs> and just, you know... And, of course, some of the, the reliefers they brought have done well. So top management, you know, it's easy to criticize, uh, you know, Theo Epstein or, or Bud Hoyer or whatever. But, I mean, they've but, done everything. But Hoyer? Or Jed Hoyer, sorry. Oh. Jed Hoyer. I was trying to figure out who Bud Hoyer was. <laughs> it's a Freudian slip. <laughs> Jed Hoyer. <laughs> More descriptive of him than anything else. Jed Hoyer, but uh, he, uh, but it's hard to, they've done everything right and it just, it just hasn't worked out. It's just one of those things that baseball is a funny game. Now, don't get me wrong, I, mean, I never expected to look at the roster, they're going to be as good as the Dodgers, but uh, no no reason why they couldn't have won the division base there, at least, at least made the playoffs based on what they had on, on paper. But it just, you know, and they've had a few key injuries, I'll give you that, you yeah. know, but. But everybody does, and it's just... Uh, so anyway, we're here to do the last rights officially on the Cubs. Uh, four out of the wild card with seven to play. Uh, three of them are against St. Louis. <laughs> Which they will lose all by one run. So I can... I always tell people, it's, I, I'm just so glad every day I walk around, especially being my age, I'm so glad that they won that World Series in 2016 because yeah. it's probably going to be one and done. <laughs> it's probably going to be... Be another hundred years. You're lucky that you, know, for you being pretty young, you're just another just another championship. But uh, for yeah. you know, people who waited around their whole lives, uh, it's been a reasonable it's been a reasonable life for me. I mean, the Bulls in the yeah in the '90s had a bit of a hiatus there, but the early 2000s to mid 2000s, the Bears were pretty good. Had a good defense, made the Super Bowl in '06. Yeah, that's right. And then. Well, they made the Super Bowl in, in 2006, right? Yeah. And then they had, then you had the Hawks go on their rally Hawks, in the latter, the latter 2000. Yeah, three cups there for the Hawks. And then you have the Cubs finally win a World Series. So realistically, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride since '89. Yeah, even, even the even the White Sox won a World Series. We're yeah, not really, we're not really White Sox fans, but Chicago just, fans. You know, we've had a lot of championships. Paced, it's kind of paced over that one. <laughs> Yeah, last Since 20, some other team won of one in two. Last twenty years, there have been a lot of uh, Chicago uh, championships. Uh, no question about it. Yeah, no, it's a it's a nice place to be. Within reason, the the Bears the Bears sometimes make it a little frustrating. But now, at least the other teams are making it frustrating too. Now, so it's not just the Bears. Well, you know the um, it, it's funny. You know, for for before the Cubs won that World Series. Uh, of course, the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, and that kind of goes into the category of what I call kind of the dumb luck wins. And by that, I don't mean to diminish it. I mean, the White Sox... <laughs> by that, the White by Sox, that I don't uh, mean words. The White Sox uh, deserved that championship. They were the best team in baseball. Congratulations to them. And, um, but, you know, I say this about all teams, is that, you know, you've been around long enough. Every, you know, 40, 50 years, you deserve a dumb luck championship where just everything comes together all the players just magically have a career year and it comes out of nowhere like the new york rangers you know in 1994 for example well the white Sox, that was kind of their dumb luck win uh they, they didn't make the playoffs the year before they didn't make the playoffs the year after uh in fact the the second year afterwards they lost 90 games 
second year after the World Series. But for that for that year, they were the best team in the league. You know, great. But after they won that one, um, then they kind of went fail. The team just completely went to heck. And for a number of years, and people would always ask me about, oh, you know, the White Sox are still good, aren't they? No, you know, they lost 85 games last year. That's not good. And they'd say, oh, no, they're on the rise. I said, there's only one thing. There's only one thing that will make the Sox change their ways and and really light a fire under them so that they're going to develop that farm system and really go for the champion, go for the World Series again. There's only one thing. And it's the Cubs winning the World Series. You know, because in this town, yeah, uh, their their competition is the White Sox competition is not the Yankees or the Indians or the Twins. Or their competition is the Chicago Cubs in their minds because they always view themselves as a second class citizen. Because there's way more Cub fans and Sox fans in Chicago yeah. or around the world. And if you're a White Sox fan, you got a chip on your shoulder, and of course the management has it as well. So, so what happens? The Cubs win the World Series, and boom, the very next year. White Sox are making all kinds of trades and deals to build up their farm system. And actually now it looks, their farm system and some of our young players look excellent. And um, But even to this day, especially on Facebook, but all over the internet, I see Sox fans constantly talking about nothing but the Cubs, which brings me to, to my, the point I'm trying to make. There's two things about White Sox fans that they sound funny, but they're absolutely true. And the first one is, the entire White Sox universe starts and ends with the 2005 baseball season and the World <laughs> Series championship. I cannot remember, seriously, I cannot remember the last time I talked to a White Sox fan where that subject didn't come up about how great that team was in 2005. It was better than the 2016 Cubs. They did this. They only lost one game in the playoffs. and Like 2005 was last year. You know, we yeah. had this 14 years ago. Yeah. But So that's point number one. And point number two is, uh, you've heard this, so you probably know the answer because you heard it from me, but there's there's a joke. It sounds funny, but it's 100% true. And that's this. Do you know what the difference, the main difference is between a Cubs fan and a Sox fan? I'll let you finish it. A Sox fan is more concerned with the Cubs losing than the Sox winning. <laughs> Which sounds goofy, but it's 100% true because you'll see all these comments for decades from Sox fans. They don't talk about how good the Sox are. They talk about how crappy the Cubs are. That's and, the kind of humor you can expect from a from a Joe Adante appearance. Well, and I will tell you, I read a book written by a Sox fan about the Sox. It was in, not surprisingly, it was written as a corollary or <laughs> to a, a book that a Cub fan had put out the year yeah, before. Of course. There was a book called Stuck on the Cubs that came out and it was short but fairly popular, a little handbook. So right away, within six months or so, like a Sox person had to put one out from the same company. And he literally said on there, he goes, you know what? Now, now this is back in the 70s, so this is before 2005. Yeah. Okay. But, but he literally said, for all of us Sox fans, our favorite year in baseball, it wasn't, you know, 1959 when they were in the World Series, or it wasn't, you know, 67 when they were down in the first place until the last game of the season. No, nothing exciting. His favorite year in baseball was 1969. And my initial thought was, yeah, Sox finished in last place, I think, in 69. Was a big, but no, it was a favorite year because that was the year that the Cubs were in first place all year and then got knocked out at the last second by the Mets. And that was It the, wasn't even the Sox beating the Cubs. It was just that the Cubs didn't finish. Yeah, ever. it was that the Cubs had that huge fall. You know, the 69 collapse. And to them, they said, for White Sox fans worldwide, that was their favorite year ever in baseball. And so I, all these things, that's why I say it sounds funny, but it's 100%. And it all just gets back to the feeling like you got a chip on your shoulder. You feel like a second-class citizen uh, being a White Sox fan. Yeah. But anyway, so that's it. The Cubs, are, unfortunately, are dead. So once again, wait till next year. <laughs> well... Uh, we've come around to the nearly two-hour mark at this point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to chat this in two and make two two broadcasts. You may have to it. run this. Have to, yeah. Um, but no, but it's it's too it's too good hours. It's two solid <laughs> hours of entertainment. I'm sure. Well, at least you and I were entertained. I don't yeah. know if anyone's listening. I, I would recommend playing this podcast on 1.5 times speed to <laughs> to get through it just a little faster. Um, 
<laughs> That's your cure for insomnia, I suppose. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's got some value to people. Yeah, somebody does. There's somebody out there listening. Um, <laughs> but no, well, it was it was fun having uh, it was fun having you in. Uh, I hope it was a, a a likewise experience getting to come in here and mix it up and inter- getting introduced into the podcasting world uh, what what limit of an audience there is for ours but uh but it's always good and at some point in time we'll have to get a if uh, if Bart's still alive we'll have to <laughs> get the get the three pers the three man crew going so um yeah, let's bring him back. I think that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm hoping he's still out there somewhere. Bart, <laughs> Bart, answer your messages. <laughs> oh, but yes, but thank you for listening. I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. You can catch us. Um, our Twitter feed is the STG Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we are not on Instagram, but there's a Facebook group for Surviving the Ground, aptly titled. Um, my, my dad, I'm sure, does not have a Twitter handle, nor do I, because it became the show's Twitter handle. So, um, catch any news up there, and we'll hopefully get another episode out uh, as soon as we can. So, thank you for listening. <laughs>